When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEM Track. from Wollongong Golf Club, where Saturday's in the gong. I'm Illawarra Media Man of Mystery, Tim Barrow. Joining me this morning on 1170, or SEN Track Illawarra 1575, the app or the website is NBL Championship winning captain Matt Campbell. The Hawks got away with a couple of pre-season victories during the week too, Manny. Going yes, well. morning everybody. Oh. Hawkey's off to a good start in pre-season. Yeah, great to see. Only three weeks until tip-off in the NBL season. And the captain of the Saturdays in the gong ship, for some reason he's left me with the keys again this week. Matt Russell, good morning to you. Timothy, Matthew, good morning. A bit chilly. Someone's turned the heaters off here at Wollongong Golf Club, but I'm in a... I'm in a state of shock after last night's footy. I tell you what, I didn't expect that sort of result. I didn't like seeing the uh, incidents during the game. And, yeah, I woke up this morning thinking, my goodness, what a night. What a night for the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, we'll be talking plenty of NRL, NRLW. In the second hour, we'll be talking all the drama of the Illawarra Rugby League competition and the post-grand final drama. It's Group 7 preliminary final day, the Shell Harbour showdown, the Stingrays and the Sharks. So there'll be plenty of local sport after 9 o'clock. We're also talking to Stephen Keane, the Chief Executive of the Illawarra Turf Club at 8.30. And plenty more international sport. The Rugby World Cup kicked off. The Americans are out of the FIBA Basketball World Cup as well. So let's get stuck into it. The NRL, the Melbourne Storm, they just had to soak up a fair bit of pressure in the early stages. Uh, they did a lot of work and then the, the elastic band just snapped in and everything went wrong after that. Tony yeah. was set during the first defensive set of the game by Brisbane. The, the statement they made with their first set of six defensively, yeah. that just set the scene for the whole game, Matty. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I, th- I think it was just um, a, a big environment. The crowd was unbelievable. I just, uh, Brisbane just marching through and uh, did see a, a storm unit that I haven't seen all year. Their, their discipline, yeah, I just think Ever. their discipline was, was out the window. Um, you know, it, it was one of those games. I just think they, Brisbane did a great job of keeping them out of their rhythm and uh, what a fantastic Brisbane team it is. And given the Storm hoodoo leading into the game, I mean, obviously we know there's still Penrith standing in the way and that's a hell of a hurdle to clear. But that was a team last night that you know that can win the competition. Absolutely. And the way that they spoke post-game, that you can see their confidence. You know, you look at Reynolds alongside Reese Walsh. Shout out to South Sydney today. What are their fans thinking watching Adam Reynolds deliver that sort of yes. uh, leadership, conducting the team perfectly? You've got a spine that includes the experience of Adam Reynolds, the youth, the brashness, the excitement of Reese Walsh. 
You know, Billy Walters made a couple of mistakes, but he's having a great season. There's a lot to be excited about in Brisbane. I was interested to hear Corey Parker say what a big week it had been in Bris Vegas leading into this first week of finals. Imagine what it's going to be in the lead-up, a fortnight build-up to a prelim at Suncorp Stadium, their first at Suncorp, a prelim that is, since 2015. So big times in southeast Queensland for, for rugby league. Young Tonamapaya had a, a tough night, missing key t tackles that let the first try in, Katoni Staggs, the second try in, uh, Reese Walsh. I don't know whether it was all young Tonamapaya's fault, but certainly, you know, a couple of his defensive reads and plays in the centres allowed Brisbane to get through. And, yeah, that first defensive set, I, I, I just can't get it out of my mind how good it was. Well, let's catch up with a bit of a moment from last night's action. Oh, Grant's rushed up out of the line here. Caught in no man's land. Reynolds with the pass. Oh, yes. It's Selwood Cobbo. The Broncos are going to the preliminary final. It's another touch of class from Adam Reynolds. You touched on uh, the build-up now for, you know, they've got a week off. They're in a perfect position. They'll play at home. It is something special about... Brisbane, a little bit like a Queensland Origin week that, you know, the Broncos can really uh, build up to it. On the flip side, the Storm look busted. It's not just that they lost and that they couldn't score a point. They're obviously in real trouble. I mean, Pappenhausen's the obvious one, but he wasn't the only injury. They had the head clash last night. They just look like a team who were just running out of legs. Xavier Coates literally running out of legs. Sadly, yeah. Xavier Coates, that ankle injury, I doubt he'll be right for next week. That terrible story. Ryan Pappenhausen that we'll speak more about in a moment. Marion Seve returned uh, to the field, having passed his HIA, but Trent Liero wasn't uh, diagnosed by the time the broadcast finished last night, so we'll check in on Trent Liero. But next up for the Storm, next weekend, it's the winner of today's game, Cronulla-Sydney, Matty Campbell. So uh, that opposition is going to throw something at them, and, and they looked shocked last night, didn't they? Craig Bellamy looked... Uh, he looked in a state of despair. Yeah, and, and uh, we, we talk. I, I wouldn't rule them out. Obviously, we you know they're still a fantastic team. I think they build into the finals. Um, they they were hitting their straps at the right time, but they were using a lot of energy. They were coming through. They were getting it all right at the right end of the of the season. But you could just feel that I actually looked like they they didn't have the energy when they stepped on the field last night. And I I think that's part of the build going into it. The the lack of rest maybe that they didn't have the luxury to to have going into the finals. I think they'll be okay next week. So. Um, I just think that they, they, a bit, they needed a bit of a, a wake-up call. I think they'll still be okay. They've got enough talent. Um, Bellamy, will, he'll find a way to get that team ready for next week. I reckon they looked flat and attacked terribly because of Brisbane's defence. It all comes back to what the pressure they were building, the Broncos. And when you mention next weekend, they do have Justin Ollum to come back in. They do have Suafar Longo, that excitement machine we saw in the final round, Baz, and Remus Smith, Grant Anderson. So there are some very, very capable players ready to, to fill the breach left by the injured players. But Melbourne against the Sharks or the Roosters next weekend, all of a sudden it's a, it's a big challenge for a team that during the week at the Dragons presentation night, a host of premiership winning Dragons were back there to present trophies. And Oh, to a man, nearly. They were saying, oh, watch Melbourne. Melbourne's my dark horse. You watch the Storm go. Their time mm. of year, Pappenhausen back. It, it, you're left there thinking, I think Pen Melbourne might be able to challenge Penrith, given the, the words of the experts. Maybe not this morning, though, after, after losing Ryan Pappenhausen. Because let's not underestimate the, the psychological blow, the despair that will seep through this squad, having seen a bloke fight for more than 400 days yeah. to return from a shattered kneecap. Yeah. And then, what, two, three games into his NRL return, 
have that terrible compound fracture of the ankle. Yeah, we, we wish Pappenhausen well because that is a long road back given the, you know, the, the mental effort that he would have had just to get back on the field this year. And now he's looking at, well, a full six, nine months, maybe longer. Twelve. Could be a full year out again next year before we see him again. And it'll be interesting to see what the Storm do in terms I mean obviously you'd love to see him be a career player down there but you know it, it's a it's a brutal business this with um, NRL rosters and what they do for the future yeah I, that's a real challenge like it's uh, obviously they put a lot of eggs in that basket and he's an outstanding player outstanding person um, uh, for their club but you know at some stage they've got to look at how do they continue to move their um, roster forward and make sure that they're competitive night in night out and yeah that's going to be an interesting one to see how they go now I actually look at it from the storm point of view is that, they've, they ha- that there was a lot of pressure on Pappenhausen in that space to be that miracle into the finals. They've been a good team all year, although you know a little bit inconsistent. Now they can get back to playing the footy brand that they've always been good at, rather than waiting and going, oh, we've got this super sub that's going to come in, make a massive difference and help us win a championship or, or a premiership. I, I think now you'll see the Storm go back to their grassroots, which is defence, discipline, all the bits and pieces in there. They'll, they'll re-correct um, and they'll come out next week firing. When it comes to Ryan Pappenhausen, I've got no doubt that if the doctors and the specialists say, Ryan, it's a terrible injury, but with time and with determination, you can return to the NRL field. If he says, yes, I want to embark on that journey, I've got no doubt the Melbourne Storm say, we are with you. You are with us for as long as you want. If you want to get back onto the field in a Melbourne Storm jersey, we will hold your hand every step of the way. I've got no doubt that they, that is that is the sort of club they are. As brutal as rugby league is, they will make sure that Ryan Pappenhausen has every chance to get back on the field as a Storm player if he so chooses, if the doctors tick off on that. And then when he comes back, um, that, that's when I would be most nervous. Mm. You know, when he comes back for the second time after a long layoff. And, and that incident last night, you know, because Nick Meany was going so well, he's being used through the middle. Uh, there was a, a defensive plane, Big Nelson Asifa Solomon. If there's one bloke you don't want landing on your ankle accidentally, yeah. it's Big Nelson. And Nelson just came crashing down on the side of his ankle and that was all she wrote. Yeah, hugely unfortunate. The Panthers take on the Warriors at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Obviously the Panthers' hot favourites with Sean Johnson not in action there for the Warriors. And then the Sharks against the Roosters. It's uh, like a golden ticket getting to Shark Park this afternoon. <laughs> I've got a golden ticket courtesy my wonderful employers, Fox Sports. <laughs> Fox Sports. <laughs> but sympathies to all the Sharkies fans. Yeah. I, I, my producer on NRL Tonight, Lua Bahana, she's at every Sharkies game. Guess what? Couldn't. She can't be there tonight. And she normally takes four or five family members. And yep. they are Sharkies through and through. But tonight they're going to have to watch on Fox League instead. I've listened to every argument this week about the... Sharky's having every right to play at home, regardless of how many people are there, against the fact that there's an $800 million stadium up the road, and or going to Parramatta, which is also a brand new stadium, where the Sharks members and fans would get first rights on tickets, and then the Roosters would follow, given that it is their home ground. I can see both arguments. I just, I just find it ridiculous that we have a stadium where we've spent so much government money <laughs> that <laughs> isn't being utilised in... in this instance, I understand the Sharks' argument, and if you're Craig Fitzgibbon, you're not thinking twice. You're playing at home, aren't you? So it's going to be a cracking game, though. I mean, you've got a team in the Sharks who just, if they go out again this week, that's it. Two years in a row, they've gone out without even a yell, without a whimper, against the Roosters, who probably three or four weeks were going to go out without a whimper themselves. So Is, yeah. it, is it a pretty 
simple fix. Maddie Campbell, you're the sports administrator. Uh, do we just need to change the system whereby if a week one final involves a Sydney club hosting rights, you pick between Combank and Allianz Stadium. If it's the Roosters uh, as the secondary team, you play it at Combank. If it's Parramatta, for example, you play it at Allianz. Mm. You find the most neutral venue. Just take the suburban grounds out of it as, as good as they are on the right day. Big finals, do we just need to go Combank, Allianz? They're the two Sydney venues. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, it's a hard one. Week one of the finals, you always think that maybe you could give it to those sort of re- like the, the home grounds, which are smaller, but... You know, looking at the AFL last night and the night before, where they're having 93,000 people back-to-back go to uh, to watch um, the first rounds of their finals, you've got to think that we've got to get to the stage where it goes to the bigger stadiums. As Baz said, spend a lot of money on that stadium just down the road. If you fill it with the right people, it surely becomes a home ground again. We're part of the problem here in the Illawarra. This is part of the issue, right? And this happened a few years ago. If the Dragons finish fifth and they get a home final... Do they play it at Wynn Stadium? Because we're officially classed in the NRL as a Sydney club because it's mm-hmm. St George Illawarra. So part of the issue is is what rights do the Dragons have if they're in that position? And we've been through this. I've been through that with the coverage of the Illawarra Mercury with these games. Is that So the Dragons finish fifth. They play a home final if they have to go to Combac or Allianz and not be able to play down here in Wollongong because it might be deemed as an unfair advantage to say that they're not a Sydney club by coming to Wollongong. I reckon my plan is good. Allianz, Combank, little asterisk, or Win Stadium. Win Stadium. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> if, if we so choose, we'll play it at Win Stadium. Yeah. No bias involved whatsoever. Prettiest yeah. ground in the world. Yeah. Put the drone up, play it there. And while we're talking about it, it was interesting this week that um, Shane Flanagan talking about going back to do some more training sessions and have more involvement at Cogger again. I mean, given we've got the $50 million high-performance centre coming down here to Wollongong that's going to be built very soon, I mean, Wollongong in the Illawarra is going to be the Dragons' base regardless it's going to happen because that's the whole point of spending 50 million dollars down here so it's interesting to see that Shane Flanagan is looking into sharing the time between Cogra and down here well and you, the, from from my point of view though you look at it it's it's a tv spectacle like fox league we've got it on nine it's the the sport itself is about getting the atmosphere right now if you look at the AFL last night and and the night before the crowd was just it was electrifying it was loud mm. coming through the TV you want that environment so you don't want to throw it to a big stadium where you only get you know maybe well that's the reason Matt you're right they, they went this way because they didn't want a week one final where you had a Sydney club playing an out-of-town club in a half full stadium but they've just advertised that crowds this year are up 20 percent on last year and I would argue that you put any week one final at Combank Stadium or Allianz Stadium, no matter which teams are involved, you're going to get a big crowd. You're going to get a big enough crowd to have your lounge room shaking and all those ornaments falling off your shelves, Matty Campbell. Oh, I don't know. You're going to argue with oh, I don't know. Okay, let, okay pick, a, pick a match and let's ask how many you'd get. Let's go uh, Melbourne mm-hmm. coming to town to play... Penrith at Combank, you'd, you'd get nearly full yeah. for yeah. week one final. Fair. Can you come up with can you come up with a matchup in week one that wouldn't work at a big Sydney venue? Put it that way. Ask the listeners. Well, if you played Manly at the Warriors at Combank, you might have a problem because Manly don't like to cross the Sprint Bridge. <laughs> Play it at the Yeah, and then. I reckon you'd still get oh, a big I, got, I reckon you're right. I reckon there you go. Man, <laughs> man, man Manly versus the Warriors. Warriors. We'll play that at Wynn Stadium. That's that asterisk game. That's the asterisk game. Oh, well, that's funny. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get big crowds on Sunday, the Knights and the Raiders, the Knights, the fairy tale club of the season. I mean, we talk about the Warriors and up the Wars and the, the uh, culture, the, the atmosphere, the excitement that they've built over there in New Zealand this year, which is such a great reward for them given um, they had to be in Australia throughout the whole COVID period and, and all of went with that. But, gee, the Knights, it's just something special, isn't it? I mean, just... When the Knights are going well, the NRL's going well. Yeah, totally. It's exactly what you're saying. It's like just that air of excitement for a new club to be around. It's like, it's a little bit like Brisbane. Like Brisbane looks like, for me watching that crowd last night, I thought it was origin again. It was had that excitement about that team. You see that with the Knights and what they're doing up in Newcastle right now and what it's doing for sport in Newcastle, not just football, every sport. And then this is that flow-on effect. When you get success in a regional town, the whole town gets behind it and it doesn't matter what sport you're playing, everybody's into it. I've got a good set of six questions coming up regarding Newcastle and the home ground, but I reckon, as a commentator, my favourite crowd chant is the Newcastle chant that goes up. Eight in all, ten to play, the Knights 20 out, Kalen Pong appealing down that left side. I can hear and see the Newcastle chant going up and and seeing Newcastle just grow as a result. It's a fantastic atmosphere. And we've got to get to a break very shortly, but I just want to mention the the struggles of the joint venture clubs, St George Illawarra and also the West Tigers, the culture, the atmosphere, the, the, the split home grounds and the bases. When you compare that to Newcastle mm-hmm. and what they have and just that really organic ability to support their own team, that's just part of a culture of a club. And that's what a team like St George Illawarra and obviously also the Tigers have, have got to start overcoming because mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it, it is part of the issue, whether they like it or not. You should work in sports media, Tim Barry. You're speaking a lot of sense there. I don't even know what I do anymore. <laughs> All right, boys, we're going to head to a break. We'll be back. Matt Russell's famous set of six. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Wollongong Golf Club, 1170 Sydney or 1575 Illawarra in the old or the app or the website in the new Tim Barrow, Matt Campbell one of the great statisticians of the NRL, Matt Russell. He's come armed with all of the oh Fox Sports Lab stats yeah. that we can find. A great statistician, thanks to the Fox Sports Lab. I just read their great work. That's all I do. I'm hopeless with a calculator. Uh, now, when it comes to Penrith, what about this really rammed it home to me? They, the lab put out a result of the top eight teams against the other top eight teams. So not during top eight teams during the season, mm-hmm. the final top eight. Penrith are 10 and 1. The only loss against the uh, final top eight was Brisbane way back in round 1, 13, 12, off the back of their World Club Challenge hit out. So, mm. you know, it was a narrow loss at that. That's their only loss against a top eight opponent. Four and against, 300 points against the, uh, the top eight teams. 
conceding only 94, 94. against them. So yeah. you can see why they're premiership oh. favourites. 10 and 1 against the top eight. Averaging nearly 30 points per game, conceding only 94 across those 11 games. Yeah. Top 18. Uh, Matty, you, you have a scanning the numbers. What did you mate, see? This is unbelievable, this, uh, this stat stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the, the things that really stood out in the top eight for me was the Sharks. They're four and against 162-4, against 258. It's ah, a lot of points yes. against the top eight teams. The other one that was real surprise for me was the Raiders. 156.4. 315 <laughs> against against the top eight teams. That's a challenge. And, you know, th those stats probably don't lie. And really, those top eight teams have been thereabouts all year. Okay, boys, set of six. Let's go. Penrith Warriors this afternoon at Penrith. Penrith have won seven straight against the New Zealanders. Uh, in fact, the last time the Warriors beat Penrith was at Penrith in 2019. That day, listen to the try scorers for the Warriors. Ignatius Parsi, Isaac Luke. Cody Nicarima and Patrick Herbert, who also kicked seven from seven. So Patrick Herbert was an unlikely hero when the Warriors last beat Penrith. Who's the unlikely hero today for the Warriors if there is to be one, Matt Campbell? Oh, I'm going with Wade Egan. For yes, me, unlikely yes. hero. Former Penrith boy, of course, Lithgow product, so he could well be your dark horse hero. Baz, you got one? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not so much unlikely, but Tamari Martin, you know, you come into a team without Sean Johnson, you can't just compete, complete high and get into the wrestle with Penrith and expect a win. So between Dylan Walker and Martin, they're going to have to come up with something. And no doubt Andrew Webster, they would have been working in the background for, for weeks about what are we going to do against Penrith? What are we going to come up with that's different, that's a set play or, you know, just kicking to a different wing or, or, or finding a different angle to go at them. So they're going to come up with something today. I just want to quickly also um, to Jackson Ford too. Fantastic opportunity for him. Jeringong Jr. Yep. didn't get his opportunity with the Dragons after getting a start here. And now he's got a fantastic uh, chance at, if not a prelim, if, I'm sorry, if not a grand final, certainly going towards a prelim. Great shout. Now, after that, the second game tonight, Cronulla at Shark Park against the Roosters. Half of Luke Keery's 22 try assists have come over the last six weeks. 11 of the 22 over the last six weeks. Nico Hines had three last week to go to 28 try assists for the season. So the most try assists this evening between Sam Walker or Braden Trindle. <laughs> Which one delivers the most try assists? Sammy or Braden? Sammy. <laughs> Baz? Well... The obvious one there is Sam Walker. Yeah, I actually cool. think the Sharks will win, but it's really important that Trindle and Blake Braley really get in and offer something in this game because it's not just on Nico Hines. We talk about all the pressure mm -hmm. on Nico Hines. You know, he, he got half a shot of origin, then got cast off. He's had troubles with his confidence later in the season. I mean, he is the superstar match winner for the Sharks, but it can't just be all on his shoulders. Agreed. OK, tomorrow, Newcastle-Canberra. They play their first final, these two clubs, in their... 35-year rivalry. Really? Mm. Absolutely. I was surprised by that too. The first final between the Knights and the Raiders. I think given, you know, 97 Absolutely. Premiership, 2001, all the success the Raiders had through the yeah. 90s. And wow. Yeah, and it's Newcastle's first home final since 2006. So, boys, if you could build an imaginary, uncapped ground at Newcastle, <laughs> how many people would go to that game tomorrow? My figure? I reckon they'd get 45,000. 
Matty Campbell, that too optimistic. No, I, I actually think it's low. I think you, I actually think if you put a hundred thousand seat stadium there, they would get it. <laughs> you got a hundred thousand. I got a hundred thousand going to the imaginary McDonald Jones Stadium. <laughs> they haven't been in the finals since what two thousand and six. Like, come on, people come out of the woodwork. They'll, they'll get all of Newcastle and half of Maitland. I'd, I'd say about two hundred twenty thousand. <laughs> oh, and the Hunter uh, Valley. You've got to put oh, that in there as well. Lane, Tari, <laughs> Coffs Harbour. Okay, at the St George Illawarra present. Presentation night, Blake Laurie scooped the pool. Now, our colleague on this great show, Mitch Jennings, believes that blocker is his call. Blake Laurie can push for origin in 2024. Does Blake Laurie retire eventually, having played for the Blues, Matty Campbell? No. Oh, geez. Straight off the bat, sport. no. Tim Barrow. It's a tough one. I... No, it's not. Yes or no? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I'd love to see him play Origin. I oh, would and, too. And, and he's just the, the effort, the, the 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 leader that he's become is absolutely phenomenal. If I had to say, I'd probably say, probably lean towards no, but geez, I'd love to see it. He's a 26-year-old in his seventh season of NRL. If he continues to improve, they come into their prime late. I'm backing him in to play for the Blues, Blake Laurie. Now, which club of player of the year so far? Are you most excited about in terms of 2024? Here's the list. Clint Gutherson, Sean Johnson, Daly Cherry Evans, Joe Tarpany, Jacob Preston. <laughs> I can see your eyes light up, Tim Barrow. <laughs> Kalen Ponga, Blake Laurie, Jareem Buller or Jermaine Isako? I'll tell you what, I saw in patches, Jake Preston this year, and I thought he can play Origin. He's gone that far from a New South Wales Cup player to a really top-line NRL player. So... For the sake of the conversation, I'm going to go with the great man. And, Matt, we should say that Tim Barrow, our leader today, is there in a Canterbury T-shirt with yes. Bar Lamb on it, Terry Lamb, number six. So he's a one-eyed dog supporter. But that's a good shout. Jacob yeah. Preston, what about you? Oh, Ponga for me. I, you know, I, I like the way that the Knights are, have built this year. The, the interesting thing and the, hard, uh, and the challenge for them next season is can they hack it up now that they've got a target on their back after such a great campaign this year? So, yeah, I want to see Ponga. I want to see how they build on this success in Newcastle and see if they can sustain a little bit of uh, pressure and put put a team together that can be finals footy for the next two to three years. I'm going Jermaine Asako, leading try scorer, leading point scorer this season. He'll have a better team around him next year, a second season under Wayne Bennett. Jermaine Asako, you go in 2024. Now, boys, of the big disappointments this year, Souths, Parramatta, North Queensland, who finishes higher on the ladder next season? Bunnies, Eels, Cowboys. The Bunnies are getting Jack Whiten. Para yet to announce any big uh, recruits. North Queensland getting Jake Clifford, Viliami Vailia. So who finishes higher on the ladder next year out of those three disappointments out of 2023? Well, South have a premiership winning squad, so mm. it's up to Demetrio to deliver it, but that's... That's clearly the standard. Yeah, yeah the, the obvious choice is South. Um, I think the Cowboys will be thereabouts, though. I, I like what I, I, I like their team. I think they had a poor year this year. I think that they'll bounce back and be good next year. Can they handle the pressure? The Bunnies, I'm with mm. you. They'll certainly, surely, surely they'll emerge surely. from this year's disappointment. All right, boys. Let's That's pull, it. Set let's, of six. Let's pull this show back in line before <laughs> I get in trouble with Maestro Dave. We'll head to the news. We'll come back talking racing. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. For a 
Ping live on Saturdays in the Gong from Wollongong Golf Club. Tim Barrow, Matt Russell, Matt Campbell. And joining us on the line now is Illawarra Turf Club Chief Executive Steve Keane. Now, Steve, before we chat racing, I just want to quickly throw to the fact that Matt Campbell sitting next to me is wearing a Carlton Guernsey. He's excited as you are as a, uh, a mad blues man after last night's victory over the Swans. Uh, he's a good man. No, it was very exciting. Long, long overdue. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, I, th- I think we can go deep. Oh, I think uh, Jack Martin might be in a bit of trouble. But um, yeah, there, there's plenty of able replacements, which is what you need at this time of year. So yeah, very excited night, night last night in our household. Steve, we played on with Bruce Springsteen. I could picture you doing some of your best work at the Murrumbidgee Turf Club, the Scone Turf Club, to Bruce Springsteen after big race meets. It was great to, to meet you this week at Kembla Grange with your feet now under the desk, into the role there. Uh, what are your initial observations of the Illawarra Turf Club and the potential that this region has on the racing front? Yeah, look, um, to, as to uh, dancing to the boss, I, I normally <laughs> like to uh, stay pretty reserved. Uh, where I am, and um, but then yeah, when when we uh, go away, there's a fair chance that uh, yeah the shackles might break loose. But um, as as regards to the uh, the club, the club's in a great position, um, and as is racing in New South Wales. So we're, we're quite fortunate. We need to to ride the wave that that Peter and Racing New South Wales are really the platform they're building for us. And um, look, Peter DeVries left the club in a, in an outstanding position that that really allows me to come in and help add value to, to all the things we do, whether that be race day, um, infrastructure projects, things like that. Um, yeah, so it, it's in a really healthy spot and it's exciting for, the, for what's to come. Steve, it struck me that you're a man who very much likes to think outside the box, who's open to many and any ideas. We know that Peter Volandis thinks along the same line up in Sydney, and as a result, racing up there is thriving. I love the concept, the thought bubble that is a beach party at Kembla Grange, trucking in sand on the hill. I'm picturing a big blow-up pool along the rail there to to really augment the beach theme situation. Is that going to happen in January? Yeah, look, that's that's the planning at this stage, so... um... Look and yeah, um, get the get the sand in and get a few activities happening. Have a DJ and and really make a, a party atmosphere. So we we want those that, that come to the Kembla Grange Racecourse to not only come and watch the horses and have have a good time. We want them to have the, the maximum in, uh, enjoyment out of the day. Like us racing people, we love going to the races, so it, it's quite easy for us to enjoy a day at the races. But we want those people to go. Roddy, I might not be into horses, but I like a good time. We want them to come too and have a good time with us. So it, um, we'll, we'll have some exciting announcements and you know, starting with the beach party in uh, January. I guarantee you'll have a couple of old pervs through the gates very early on. Tim Barrow, <laughs> yeah. Matt Campbell, row 1A, 1B. <laughs> well, is this, Steve, is this a follow-on from the Barbie theme? Is it, oh, it sounds like a, a follow-on from that. But oh, the, come on now, Steve. You need to tell us the real reason why you're putting the sand there. I've been to the races many times, and I've seen the fillies out there taking off those high heels or trying to walk their high heels through the grass to try and get down there. You're, you're going to put a beach all the way down so the girls could throw their shoes off and walk across the sand to watch the horses come down the straight, right? Oh, look, it, it'd be great if the girls were comfortable because, um, you know, we I often do hear or you do see a lot of women leaving the track with their, 
with the shoes in their hands. So <laughs> um, to be able to put on a day where they can relax and um, I get um, dressed down a little bit um, to be more comfortable, I think can only be a good thing for them. Speaking of uh, sand and earth moving and trucking, you've uh, been busy down there since you've started. We were at the uh, the meet and greet there this week down at Kembla Grange, and in the background there are all sorts of earth movers and diggers, so the, the long-awaited uh, upgrade of the Kembla Grange tracks is underway. Yeah, that's right. So the the um, reconstruction of the B-grass started this week. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting project where by the end of the in 12 to 18 months' time, uh, the Illawarra Turf Club will have two surfaces we'll be able to race on. So the bee grass is being uh, raised with with a drainage um, put all the way through it. And then, um, so not only will the trainers have a have a, a racing-style surface to work their horses on, um, from time to time we'll also be able to race on it. So it, it'll be a, a greater, I guess, it's not really an addition, it's an upgrade to the already fantastic facilities we have for the trainers. Eight race card there today at Kembla Grange. It's a good four. The rail's where it should be, so it should be a king day out there at Kembla Grange today too, Steve. Yeah, that's right. There's not a cloud in the sky, so, well, I know we've got a number of uh, Bucks parties and and then footy trips booked in for today, so um, yeah, eight eight strong races. The field has held up really well. Um, But yeah, as you said, a good four in the rail and the through. Uh, everything's perfect for a good day's racing. I'll throw in a quick tip today, boys. I'm going to stick with the price, the Robert Luke Price stable with headstock from Barrier 1. was outstanding wing its last start that they were looking at the midway today. They've decided to stay at home. Uh, that's race 8, benchmark 64, a 1,200-metre race. Matty Russell? Race 5, number 3, built the Chris Waller runner. Got a big mention on the show preceding ours. And, Steve, it must have been an exciting time for you. You're racing today. Obviously, spring, you are racing often through that period as well then we come into the gong then all your themed ideas during summer so there are some big months ahead by the sounds of it yeah it's exciting there, there is a lot it's, it's great to be able to race on these saturdays on the big event days um and really showcase the club and and the fantastic facilities we've got so it is exciting to, to race alongside the atc on these days and, and i guess we were quite privileged to be able to i guess close out the spring carnival with uh the gong at the, at the end of november so Tickets are selling fast for that. A lot of our hospitality is already sold out, so um, but there is still some available. So, um, yeah, it's exciting, and um, we're, we're looking forward to what's ahead. Great to have you on board today, Steve. Uh, eight races there at Kembla Grange today. The first at 12.45, so if you're looking for something to do this afternoon, get out there and enjoy the sunshine. Should be some cracking racing. Thanks for coming on board, mate. We'll head to a break. Um, thank you, Paul, guys. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
Saturdays in the Gong, 11.70 Sydney in the first hour. And we go to 10 o'clock on Illawarra 1575 SEN track. You can get us on the app or the website after 9 o'clock. What are we going to be talking? We're going to be talking plenty of Illawarra sport. It's Group 7 preliminary final day. All the wash-up of the Illawarra Rugby League grand final. Uh, plenty more. We'll be talking basketball. Rugby World Cup kicked off this morning. So stick with us after 9 o'clock. But right now, last week, it was remiss of me to one of the great segments that Matt Russell has introduced to Saturdays in the Gong. Pete, the perfect panel puncher from Putney, the man who sets us up, organises us and takes it all home every week, does a wonderful job, comes to us with his random fact. What have you got for us, Pete? Well, good morning, Baz. Morning, everyone. Today's fun fact... uh we learnt recently the Sydney Cricket Ground and Football Stadium has a series of statues around the precinct, which we learnt just before the FIFA Women's World Cup. They were the ones that are going to be covered. They were the ones that were going to be covered. Mm. One of the statues there is of Richie Benno. Now, Richie was the first statue commemorated at the Sydney Cricket Ground, but our fun fact about the statue of Richie, when the sculptor was making the statue, he made the head first. Unfortunately, he made the head too big. The, the result being he had to make the rest of the statue in proportion to Richie's head. So the statue of Richie Benno at the SCG portrays Richie as being about two and a bit metres tall and about 140 kilos. Wow. <laughs> Which he wasn't. No, he certainly certainly wasn't, but he could have played front row for the Roosters today. It, uh... Absolutely. And that statue of Richie is at the bottom of the stairs next to the ladies' stand. And back in the day when Richie was captain of Australia, the captain was allowed to drive his car to the ground, drive him through the gates and park it. Now, Richie had the sunbeam for just about many, many, many years. Yep. And so he parked the sunbeam next to those stairs at the ladies' stand, got out, walked to the Aussie dressing room, and that's where Richie's statue stands today, albeit slightly out of proportion. But if somebody was going to be larger than life, it should be Richie in a statue. Only Matt Russell gets to do that with his car now <laughs> on Sports Broadcast. Just lot lob into Shark Park this afternoon, park on the halfway line. And, uh, Someone will grab his car for him and go and park <laughs> go at Valet. Go and take it around the back. Absolutely. Well, no, that is a, a cracking set. He is a giant of not only cricket, but obviously broadcasting as well. So um, they are great, those statues around the SCG area. We know. So um, uh, Jordan Warren, who's a regular with Saturdays in the Gong, his uncle um, Johnny obviously was um, part of those statues for his contribution to football. So yeah, fantastic to uh, you know have those around the precinct now. Matt Campbell. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Americans are out of the World Cup of Basketball. Yeah, yeah. So we had the leading song just coming out of the break there with the 99 Red Balloons. And, yeah, the Germ- the Germans got over the top of the USA last night um, in an absolute thriller in the semifinals of the, of the World Cup. Um, so that uh, means the USA is out. Will that reverberate around the US, or do they not give a rats about the World Cup, Matty? Oh, look, it, it will. It will, but they'll get the, oh, we didn't send our A-team type scenario. But the reality is that that team a very, very good team, and they've put a lot of talent into that. Steve Kerr's the coach. So there'll be a lot of people with some really battered egos uh, from the US point of view, and um, that's also the team that they're dragging into the Olympics next year. So I've got a fair bit of work to do. In saying that, the, the Germans were unbelievable. They've, pl- they've played the tournament uh, of a lifetime. They beat the Aussies in the pool. Everyone thought the Aussies were terrible, and everyone was talking about Brian Gorgian can't coach anymore. He couldn't get the Aussies to, to come together. Um, we are up four with three minutes to go against this ge- um, ge- the, the German team, um, and here they are now pl- going to be playing off for the gold medal. Do you know what? I was thinking during the week how, in a backhanded way, how great it is that Australia is actually so disappointed 
by their performance. Mm. And I know, obviously, they wanted more. They wanted to go closer. But in terms of fans around Australia, the fact that we think we've, we've now got the right to be in that conversation, to be in the last four, rather than just a knockout chance. Great point. Really good point. When, when, when have you ever seen basketball being disappointed with not getting a medal at, at, a, at a world championship? It's crazy to think that, you know, we're looking around and, and the world was stunned that the Australian team is not up there. So basketball's in a really good space at the moment. We've got outstanding NBA talent in the Boomers team. We've got a really good junior program coming through. Um, you know, the next four to five, six, ten years of basketball is going to be unbelievable. I know you'll talk Hawks next break, but I was in the cafe yesterday with my 16-year-old, and your assistant coach walked past. And I said, oh, mate, see that fella? His son earns 30 million bucks a season playing in the NBA. And Toby was blown away because that's the sort of... Um, that's the sort of player and, and personnel you're attracting now, Matty. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Justin Tatum's one of our assistant coaches. And Jason Tatum, the superstar that plays for, the, mm. uh, for, for Boston in the NBA, um, yeah, unbelievable that we've got the dad of a superstar like that here in Australia, playing, uh, actually assistant coach for the Hawks all year. So, yeah, it just um, it shows what the U.S. are thinking of our league too. So they're trying to get experience to go potentially back and be an assistant coach at the NBA level. Um, but uh, like I said, basketball, has never been better in our in our in our world in Australia, and it's uh, it's exciting. But it's also now we got the pressure of being good, and this is where you look at Serbia, um, you know those kind of teams that have been thereabouts for a long period of time. They're able to handle that pressure of being good year in year out and performing on that um, world stage. Uh, it's it's a different pressure. So thirty million bucks a season equates to about fifty million Aussies. I told that to Toby. I said, mate, what would you do with a million bucks a week? And Toby said, I'd buy a jet ski. <laughs> so, it wouldn't be an expensive jet ski. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you got a bit well, left over. Totally. It's <laughs> a good start, though. It's a good start. Well, speaking of the big bucks, we better let you go and earn your keep up there. Big NRLW game today. Roosters, Newcastle, top two teams head-to-head, and then straight to Shark Park for Cronulla against the Roosters. It's a tough game to pick tonight. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but that normally makes a good television, doesn't it? Yeah, it should be an absolutely ripping game. Two teams with, well, everything to play for. It's all on the line. We'll head to a break. Plenty more to come Saturdays in the goal. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Bang the Gong. I nearly missed my mark. I've only got a minute to go and I'm struggling already. We haven't... We haven't got rid of Matt Russell just yet. He, we're doing Bang the Gong, which is probably your favourite segment Absolutely. of the day. Absolutely. Great food here at the Wollongong Golf Club. Likewise, I went to the Builders Club for Father's Day. My kids shouted me dinner at Stone Grill Steakhouse, where you cut up the meat, put it on the hot rock. Fantastic. Yeah, it was good. Stone Grill Steakhouse. My gong for this week, Baz. Yep. A very worthy Bang the Gong. I'm going to stick with sport with Bang the Gong. I'm going to give a shout-out to Paul Asquith. He had a really bad leg injury in uh, Kiama's preliminary final loss to Avondale in the Illawarra rugby uh, season. But then, three days later, turned around and won the league medal for the whole competition. So, bittersweet for him. They didn't make the grand final. He went out injured. But a uh, a fantastic recognition of a great season. Campbell doesn't have a Bang the Gong, so I'll give him one. Returning to the snake pit, the Hawks trial the other Mm. night. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was great. 
Oh, good, good, oh, good enthusiasm. Dude, certainly good. General play. manager of bloody basketball. Come on, a bit more excitement, please. Panthers Warriors at 4 o'clock. Sharks and Roosters at 7.50. Enjoy your footy. Uh, Sydney Siders, stick with us on the app after 9 o'clock. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEM Track. Thanks for sticking around. Saturdays in the Gong, live from the Wollongong Golf Club. It's a beautiful morning. The wind's a bit chilly, but there's plenty of golfers out there getting close to uh, getting close to the pins. Um, good morning to you, Matt Campbell and Tim Barrow, for the second hour. Now, Matt Campbell, we had a story in the Mercury today just addressing the fact that the Illawarra name wasn't on another uh, NBL jersey for the upcoming season. Now... Can we put it to bed that it was a design decision as opposed to another grand NBL conspiracy to take the club away from the region? Yeah, definitely not. A, yeah, definitely not taking the brand away from the region. It was a internal. They were talking about uh, looking like the Chicago Bulls is my understanding of it. And yep. uh, the NBA does it where they uh, mix up whether they put the uh, Chicago on it or the Bulls, yep. both home and away. So um, there's not much in it. It's... Uh, Every year we can, we have to come up with a new design. We've been around for forty five years. It's uh, yeah. it's pretty hard to get a different uh, jersey year in year out. So there's nothing in it from that point of view. Um, r- r- the end of the day, it's uh, what the fans like, and they like the strip. They they like the pinstripe that's on this year's jersey, and it's uh, and it doesn't really matter too much yeah. to me as long as we uh, we get good crowds. We get a t- we've got a great team that's going to be on the park and. Uh, Looking forward to an unbelievable season. Yeah, absolutely. As a singlet, that's one that I would absolutely buy Mm. uh, for myself and for the kids. Now, talking about a good squad, you've started in some decent style. Uh, You've had an open game there at the Snake Pit last weekend where they had a victory over the Breakers. Then you played a closed session against the Breakers again this week. So what have you made of the the early action? Yeah, we've had two uh, two pre-season games against the Breakers. Um, Look, the Breakers are going to be outstanding. Um, They had some players out, so... Um, from their point of view, they've got some firepower still to come back into their roster, but outstanding defensively, the New Zealand Breakers, and uh, a good hit out for us. Uh, we had a few players out ourselves. Our starting point guard, Justin Robinson, who's a big key to, to us being successful all year. Um, it's twinged a little groin, so he, he'll be back by uh, this week in some, some training. And uh, AJ Johnson, our next star out, um, as well as Daniel Greeter. But, you know, I was pretty happy with the way we played. A um, few guys new to the to the team, the, the Korean sniper, as they're calling him, HJ Lee, had uh, had a couple of uh, good, good, good hit out from his point of view to get up to speed with the level of our league. And uh, a couple of young guys really coming through. Sam Froling yet to really fully fire. Um, and uh, Mason Peatling was outstanding as well, one of our new recruits. So really uh, pretty happy with that. Gary Clark, our import as well, um, showed some signs that he's going to be great for us. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the start of the season. On the line now is the Illawarra Mercury's Mitch Jennings. He covers basketball in the summer as well as rugby league in the winter. What's caught your eye out of the opening games for the Hawks, Mitch Jennings? 
Yeah, morning, boys. I uh, yeah, I very much enjoyed being at the Snake Pit. Uh, you know, a bit of a throwback and, and everything else. And uh, I've got to say, this were you two up there on the cans? Uh, spring rolls. We were good too. <laughs> spring rolls. <laughs> spring rolls good. in cans at the Snake Pit. That's how it works. Spring rolls in cans at the Snake Pit. That's that's uh, yeah. It's been a very very enjoyable preseason for me thus far. But uh, yeah, I thought. Uh, you know, from a team performance from the horse, I thought it was really good. The guys, uh, for mine, the guys that you want firing uh, and the guys you want to be seeing something from uh, at the pre-season stage probably probably were firing. I thought Dave Hickey, particularly in that uh, open that open game against the Breakers, looked like he'd sort of picked up where he'd left off uh, at the back end of, of last season. I think really showing the benefits of having stayed, you know, in the Illawarra and, and playing with the Hawks in NBL 1 and just sort of carrying on the form he had towards the, the back end of the year. I thought Bawali Bales came on in that in that game. I think he was nine. He was four from four from four from the field and really sort of firing. I like Lockie Albrecht coming on with his sort of very low, understated, I called it, uh, sort of 10 and six. So I thought, you know, as much as you always look at the stars and, and see what they're, what they're producing, you, you know they're going to come good. But I think the, the people that you want to see firing at that pre-season stage uh, certainly were in that game for mine and uh, that was exciting because you know as much as I think the import trio is, is going to be up there with the, the best in the league and obviously the next star uh, Lee as Matty mentioned there coming in uh, in the Asian import stakes so uh, very very deep roster top to bottom but I think uh, the, the the challenge for Jacob will be you know keeping those guys that he gave a lot of time to last year or a guy like Bawali that he's brought in this year uh, you know, firing, engaged, and, and playing that that role because we see year in year out now in the NBL that um, it, it takes a deep roster to get it done. It's got to be, you know, someone different on a lot of nights. It's going to have you know their game for you and, and get you over the line. So I think uh, as far as being a well-rounded roster in the depth of it, uh, saw a lot of encouraging signs uh, in that in that win over the Breakers. Yeah, good point. Um, um, when you talk about like the the guys that you want to see firing at this time of the year, like Sam Froling, for me, I wasn't concerned about him not really having uh, a great outing in the first first game. But yeah, guys like your Davo Hickey's uh, who who finished the season so well last year, and the new guys that are that are trying to find some court time in Albrick and uh, and even Peteling from my point of view, they're the guys that you want to see that you, you have a bit of confidence in being able to play them and that's what I think Jacob would have taken out of the two games both of them though, the, those guys really sort of stepped up and showed that they can play consistent minutes at NBL level um, without making mistakes, without fouling too much and that's going to be the key to them finding time throughout the season once the once the real, um, once the real games get there and, and the money's on the line when um, when you need those guys to step up. I think that's what, like you said, that's what makes a championship winning team. Now, I'm not saying that uh, I think we've got enough talent to be a championship team. Obviously, a lot of things have got to go our way. And we're certainly a lot better in the depth uh, department than we've been in uh, many, many years. I agree, Matt. I'll call it a championship winning team, Matty. I think it's certainly got the... <laughs> I, won't, I won't promise it, <laughs> but... Um... I certainly think, yeah, as far as I was, I was talking about it, a lot of the guys at the, the launch yesterday, guys like, like Tyler Harvey and like Justin Robinson and just talking about, you know, in particular to Tyler about the, the, the rosters he's had in his time here because he's going into, I think I believe this will be his fourth season if I'm, if I'm correct. That's and correct. The, the bumpy ride he's had personally as far as coming in and the, the franchise was virtually brand new, obviously, when, when Gorge came in to start with and then, then it was a franchise that went to the finals and was probably disappointing, probably, you know, went out earlier than people might have expected and then obviously back in being a bit of a in that written off type uh, type frame that the Hawks are probably pretty familiar with so it's been a, a bumpy ride for uh, 
for obviously Tyler along the way. But he, as far as the, the roster he, he's had here, he, he's convinced it's certainly the deepest and certainly the... the uh, and what strikes about me, like you mentioned guys like Mason Peatling and, and guys like that, I think Hawks rosters in recent years have had a lot of stars and they've had a lot of promising young guys coming through. What's probably been lacking at different times has been sort of that conduit, the, the hardened sort of NBA. You know, if you're looking at an NRL roster, for example, you want a bunch of veteran guys that aren't your stars, but they're, they're filling out that middle part of your roster. And uh, it's obviously, it's just more important, arguably, you know, in the NBL, I think, and we, it's, it's something that the Hawks roster hasn't always had. But you mentioned a guy like Pete League, championship winner, several seasons in the in the NBL now. A guy like Greta had his injury dramas, but he's going deep into his NBL career now. Sam Froling's had, you know, several seasons. I think he'll go up a level again, like you said, Matty. So I think it's it's a well-rounded roster, and it's padded out through that middle. It hasn't got necessarily that that import stock at the top, and then a bunch of sort of very young guys. At the, at the coming through and, and no sort of conduits in the middle. That's what I really like about this roster. To me, it's top to bottom and it's and it's filled out. It's got guts. I've been saying it's sort of got a, it's got it's got belly in the middle there with all these experienced guys that have that can play regular you know night in night out NBL minutes for you. It, it, that's what's impressed me about it as much as the stars and everything else that that catch your eye. Um, I, I think top to bottom, it's it's just a super impressive roster and certainly championship caliber. The proof of being the pudding, but uh, yeah, you, what what Jacob is starting with, I think. You've got to be pretty confident about. Yeah, and then people keep forgetting about Todd Blanchfield. Now, if you look at that first game, the best player for the whole for, for the whole of the Hawks team was Todd Blanchfield for plus minus on the score sheet. So his ability, not only he's, he scored, he probably missed a couple of open looks that he would normally make, but just the ability to be on the floor and not have to do anything uh, flashy, uh, just be a consistent player. And his veteran status which allows him to, to be in those. He's been in finals games. He's been around the league a number of years. And someone just a bit steady the ship, um, and he'll be consistent, won't make mistakes. That's that's the real key, I think, to this year for, for the Hawks is having some players that, that will go out there and, and, and be able to be consistent night in, night out um, and give the opportunity for someone else to step up and be great on the night. And that's consistently what we haven't had for the last um, for probably 10 years, I really think, from the Hawks' right point of view. Yeah, I'm very excited to see Toddy back, Matty, as you said. And I think what's key with Toddy, I've only spoken to him sort of briefly since he has been back, but obviously had a lot to do with him in his last first in here when he was with the Hawks. And he's a guy coming back who's very attuned to what his role is and what he's what he's uh, what he's been brought in to, to to provide. I mean, in the past he sort of he came to the Hawks initially. He was a guy that had been used in sort of different roles. He'd probably been pigeonholed into being a bit of a you know just a corner three-point man in, in different places. He'd been at Sydney and was obviously playing in the fourth spot and, and sort of been shifted around and never really quite found his niche. He came to the Hawks to, to be the man and to be that guy and probably showed, you know, what he actually could do when he was sort of the primary scorer, you know, in a, in a side. And then he's gone to Perth and obviously had the experience he had there. But he's coming back there. I think he's very attuned to, to what he's in the team to do and what he's in in the in the team to provide. There'll be, there'll be nights he'll absolutely go off and we'll see, you know, hot toddies, uh, you know, the, the one we're familiar with and we've seen it probably at different times. You see, you used to always have this knack of getting up playing at the Hawks, which used to drive me nuts uh, watching a couple of games when you when go off. But he'll have those nights where he does just shoot the lights out and then he'll have a, other nights where, you know, he'll just be that, that veteran presence and might not show up too much on the on the stat sheet. But uh, I thought, yeah, very, very good pickup. And like I said, there's, there's several guys in that category that seem to be coming in and they're very attuned to what their role is and, and what they're going to be asked to do, you know, in a in a functioning uh, 
Bucksnit team that's pushing for the championship, as I said. Well, we might be knee-deep in the middle of footy finals, but it's only three weeks away from the start of the NBL season. The Laura Hawks take on the Sydney Kings in the season opener at Wynn Entertainment Centre Saturday, September 30 at 8 o'clock. So I'm really excited for the start of the season. I know, in a sense, it creeps up on you a little bit just because of, obviously, mm-hmm. everything that happens with the footy, but the Hawks are up and firing, and we can't wait to see what they'll offer to start the season. Now, Mitch Jennings, the Illawarra Rugby League Grand Final has been run and won. Let's catch a moment of the action from what was a thrilling grand final. Out as we see Dow getting up on Boyle. Boyle creating some space. Bowen down the touchline. The kick back in field. Watling's got it. Patterson's kicked it through. Yes! He's got a yes! yes! He's going to keep going, Patterson. That's the try. That's a try. Going try. That's a try. And what about... That one, Johnny, we've spoken so often about Josh Dow and his ability to pressure kickers. Well, Jared Boyle just played him off a break. He saw him coming, went back down the short side, creates the space. Bowen threads the kick through. Patterson, good enough. What a play. And that was Mitch Jennings calling it on Bar TV, the grand final one by Thoreau, where your offsider Johnny Pett went full Craig Foster from the 2005 <laughs> World Cup qualifiers. <laughs> Thoreau scored that try. Uh, extraordinary finish, obviously, a perfect swan song for Wayne Bremner to walk off with a premiership. And when I say walk off, he was barely able to do that. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was at that point, Baz, the narrator would say. It was at this point that Mitch Jennings realised he'd lost his co-caller and been replaced by a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great call. Down. It was so Patterson much fun. Yeah. Oh, it was. Uh, he, he's pretty good. Like, he's obviously a Johnny. He's, he's a thrill man, sort of through and through. And he, he's a butcher at heart. But he, he calls it pretty straight down the line most of the year. But I think in a grand final in that in that moment... Uh, you know, we're both partial to uh, the game running away with us at different times. But yeah, that was that was Johnny. I had to I had to pull the leash it a little bit. I thought he was going to fall out of the the top floor of the the Wind Stadium grandstand that we were calling from. But uh, but as you said, those yeah, just so many. Uh, there were so many narratives and so many stories going in into that one of, of just great players and great champions that have been in this competition for a long time. And Wayne Bremner was certainly among them. And that that knee injury just would have stopped a, a lot of people. Uh, from even participating in the game, but he's just such a such a tough, tough as nails player, and has been for so long. Brim, and he even picked up a knee injury on the other knee, so his good knee was uh, was playing off on him through uh, through most of that game. So he had both knees taped up and everything else, but you know he, he got through it, and Thoreau got there, and just such a just such a great story, and just such a great credit to obviously Coach Jared Costello, and you know that whole the whole club there. I, I sort of mentioned it was the the coming together of you know a long a long slog for, for the rule obviously year back a couple of years back in the in the president's cup year during covid they ran around in the president's cup for free no match payments and really there was a hard slog through there they were they were flying and they were four points clear at the top of the table and odds on for the minor premiership and and everyone tipped to win the comp in, in 2021 and then obviously covid saw that season uh, the pool pulled the pin on that season as well so then they've had some uh the moments I'd like to forget as well, having gone out in straight sets at, at different times, having been in the in the top two and, and not put it together at finals time. So to, to do it from on this occasion from sort of fourth spot and to, to time the run the way they did and to, and to get that win was just incredible scenes. And, and you know, as much as I wax lyrical about him in, in the lead up, probably a little bit in the aftermath, you've got to look at a guy like Jared Boyle, probably really established himself as, as the, the the best player we've seen in this competition for you know in this decade at this. His fourth grand, his fourth grand final win. It's his second grand final man of the match award, and he's now won a premiership with his 
with his third club. So he's certainly a guy wherever he goes, he, he's a winner and he just brings sides through. He's won one with Helensburg, got them over the hump and won a couple with Collegians and now he's, he's coming and won this one with the rule on his return to the competition. So just, just so many great narratives and stories to come out of that one. But uh, absolute credit to the rule, the club and yeah, a very, very deserved victory in what was a well, absolute thrilling grand final. I've called 10 of them now and um, yeah, that one was certainly in the in the top handful of uh, I've seen, as you probably heard there from uh, from the great Johnny Pet as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was fantastic and just yeah, such a thrilling finish. Now after in the fallout, the Illawarra clubs have been up in arms about the New South Wales Rugby League major competition uh, structure and the stipulations that go around it. It means that there seems to be an inevitability about changes within the Illawarra South Coast Rugby League. Um, I guess what's happened since um, the clubs have come out publicly uh, against the you know the way the situation is with the club with the um, the league. Yeah, it, it can be interesting, but it's probably a, a, a tough one for, for punters to understand. You can get it gets in all these sort of levels of administrative sort of bureaucracy and everything else. But basically, since the, the, the CRL New South Wales Rugby League merger a couple of years back, their competitions are placed in, in different in different classes. And there's obviously a whole bunch of different sort of stipulations and everything else that you, you have to meet. And the Illawarra competition has been classed as a, as a New South Wales Rugby League major competition um, for the last couple of years, so that puts it alongside like, the likes of the Ron Massey Cup and, and competitions like that. Um, so as far as what they do on the weekend or what it looks like when they run around on, on Saturday, it doesn't look all that different to what we've been familiar with for some time, but behind the scenes, the, 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 the stipulations and obligations that go with being in that competition, are, you know, they're vast, the administrative, uh, you know, things like, I think I wrote about this week in the Mercury, people might have seen, you know, we're talking 26-page, player contracts, you know, mandatory uh, employing of a, of a club doctor on match day, um, you know, judiciary proceedings in Sydney, you've got, you know, volunteer administrators going to the judiciary to, to push a case and ending up sort of face-to-face with experienced barristers and sort of everything else. So it's just a layer of, uh, although New South Wales League would probably call it professionalism, but there's just a layer of administrative sort of red tape and everything else that for, what's a, for what is a still essentially a, a regional competition that's that's run at club level by by volunteers um it was just becoming a bit too arduous and the demands were too much and i guess the flip side of that really was you know what benefit were the clubs getting from it and i think it's um some clubs that i've spoken to you know you know on the record there in some stories and obviously behind the scenes through most of the season have sort of been asking the question what is uh what is the Laura league getting for you know from the merger and what is it getting from i guess going forward What's the benefit of all these these hoops that they have to they have to jump through? Um, that's been basically the the argument that's been going on behind the scenes, and uh, you know they've made their feelings known. I believe it's still to be locked in, or it's still working on it. But it'll be a, a different competition class next year. I think it'll be a newly created one that'll probably ease some of that uh, administrative burden because uh, it was you know as, as it's being said, it was pretty pretty blunt about it. The number of clubs were probably just going to withdraw from the competition altogether had they had to keep meeting those obligations so like I said for, for punters maybe a little bit um, convoluted or a bit difficult to understand but um, the the what happens next year and, and the new competition class will be and will hopefully just ease that burden and start moving a little bit forward but still a lot of questions as to I guess what the future holds for this competition it's back it's back down to six teams this year it's been a sort of perennial struggle to get beyond that and, and what that could look like going forward but um, this 
it's a small win, I'd say, for clubs, the fact that they're moving out of that major competition status. Newcastle did it last year. Obviously, that competition is is no longer a New South Wales Rugby League major competition, uh, and they're sort of running their own race, so to speak, uh, in the way they've gone about it, and that's what Illawarra clubs will be, be looking to do next year. So it'll on, on the field, and as far as how it, how it appears that way, it probably will seem business as usual, but, uh, yeah, make no mistake, there's been uh, some, some feelings known and, and some changes afoot, uh, you know, in in regards to how they put their, their sides on the field week after week. Well, Mitch Jennings, we'll see you on the Saturdays in the gong desk with Matt Russell uh, next week. There's still some uh, rugby league action on the South Coast. Uh, Stingrays taking on Shell Harbour Sharks at 3 o'clock at Cesc Glenholm's Oval. That will be an absolute belter. The Shell Harbour derby waiting the winner is Gerringong in next week's grand final. Appreciate your time, Mitch Jennings. We'll head to a break. We're going to be back talking about some of the upcoming events at Wollongong Golf Club. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturdays in the Gong each and every week as we get to be here live at Wollongong Golf Club and joining us now from the Golf Club is Nicole Walker. We're going to talk about the Meet the Makers five course digger station. It's quite the experience really. Outdoor, 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 flame and grill. It's a five course meal on Thursday the 14th of September. I'll go through the menu in a minute. Good morning to you Nicole. How are you? Oh, fantastic. I'll tell you what, one thing we love here at Saturdays in the Gong is a good thing, and this is about <laughs> as good as it gets. This is pretty special. We're a bit excited about this one. Mm. Absolutely. So let me take you through the courses. Gin cured, smoked salmon, pickled radish and fennel salad, stuffed pork belly, anchovies, garlic, oregano and lemon. Then the confit duck legs. Now that would get me. Smoked cherries, organic balsamic glaze, marinated lamb kebabs with hummus, pickled vegetables, labna and flatbreads, and to finish off, smoked cheese. Pickled pears, musket grapes, and whole grain crackers just to cleanse the cut of the palate. Absolutely. A little and glass of red at the end, maybe. Well, so. the, the fun thing about this is the, the menu's been designed by executive chef Simon um, Everett, who's a hatted chef. He, for those who. Um, who are foodies in the region. He owned S um, Restaurant down in Kayama, which was the awarding restaurant down there, and we're very lucky to have him at the 19th as our exec chef and food and beverage manager. Yeah, He's designed this menu um, with our partners in mind. So um, each of these courses are being presented and paired with something from either Five Barrel Brewing or um, our mates at Headlands Distilling, and um, our friend Brendan Bates from Private Bin is also bringing in some Bleasdale wines. So everything has been beautifully paired together and it's going to be a gastro experience. We're super excited. I'll tell you what, as a craft beer man myself, Five Barrel Brewing, oh, they do some good deals mm, with different, different styles of beers. So. Well, I mean, we've got their 1897 lager on tap um, here. Headlands made our 1897 gin, so absolutely these guys are. They know us, we know them, we love them. It's a perfect pair. Now, I've got to say, there's one thing on the menu that shouldn't be there, and everyone can guess it, ever they heard, anchovies. Surely not. Oh, Come on. Those little salty Seriously? fish beautiful. Oh, no. What do you pair that with? 
they, they just go beautifully with the pork belly. Just give that saltiness to the pork, and then um, and that's going to be accompanied with one of the wines from Bleasdale, a white. So no, it'll be uh, it'll, it'll surprise you, Matt. No, I, think, it, I think you should give it a go. The first part says stuffed. You can get stuffed on the anchovies. <laughs> let me tell you. No salty hairy fish for you. No. Okay. <laughs> it is an amazing menu, as I said. I, I could. Um, spend most dinners with a, a nice duck meal not that i have it very often these days but it's a fantastic menu how do people get involved it's on thursday the 14th at six o'clock it is thursday the 14th at six o'clock um email events at the 19th.com.au or jump on our website and follow the link from there um the 19th.com.au and um yeah we're uh, exclusive exclusive access hosted in the 1897 garden bar so outdoor dining flames are firing now in an exclusive to Saturdays in the Gong, mm-hmm. we'd like to break the big stories here. <laughs> Wollongong Golf Club has the Fast Five competition coming up, so seven weeks plus a final. The qualification starts on Friday the 6th of October. Uh, there'll be a Pro-Am final on Friday the 24th of November. 90 minutes, five holes, handicap stable for the event, shotgun start at 4.30pm every uh, event. So, yeah, huge for the region because it's not just uh, limited to Wollongong Golf Club members either. No, that's right. Our golf club members will get first crack to um, to enter into the field each week. Matty Campbell's already got his hand up. Good lad. Um, but, no, this is a really fun lifestyle golf product that we, uh, we want to introduce for our members. People are getting more and more time poor, and golf's too fun not to be able to make time for it. So a short format, five holes, uh, played over 90 minutes, Stableford format, but the fun thing about this one is that um, if you finish on equal points, you finish with a shootout. So for members who are in the know who come to the 19th on a Friday night, we've been running Shooters Challenge for the past couple of weeks, which is where everybody starts on the putting green um, on a chipping mat and shoots over to the fifth um, for a nearest the pin competition. So that's how our Fast Five will be finished and determined with a shootout after the five holes are played. Now, this has evolved. I've got to give a shout-out to Matt Morgan, who's a board member here <laughs> at, uh, at the Wollongong Golf Club, who I play with every Wednesday morning when I do my rounds. This has evolved on our rounds as we've gone as we've gone on. We've spoken about how can we do something that's fun on a Friday afternoon where we could actually come out, drink a couple of beers, but also make it competitive mm-hmm. in that time poor uh, avenue, which we all are. And, uh, yeah, the, the Friday afternoon, five holes... 4.30, um, perfect scenario to play a bit of golf, make it competitive, um, put a real environment around it, but also make it a bit more fun where you can have a couple of beers, enjoy it and stay into the night. So I reckon it's a great idea. I think every golf club should have it. Um, and I think trying to get people here where they don't have to be four hours to play around Absolutely. is a big key to making sure people can utilise their membership and, and get a little bit more out of it uh, from the club point of view. Definitely. And the whole concept of this, this is our test product for the five-hole competition. The 19th is built for a five-hole. Our first five holes are played around our clubhouse, so it's absolutely picture-perfect. Um, but, yeah, we're super excited for this one. This will be our eight-week program. The first seven weeks are qualifiers, so the top four finishers will qualify automatically into the, um, the final final played on the 24th of November. Um, we'll also have some invitationals in that spot, so your amateurs will play against the pros. There'll be two prize pools, so the amateurs will get prize pool and the pros will get a cash prize pool as well. Prizes all through the seven weeks. We're just locking down our sponsors now, and um, we're really excited for this one. Yeah, it is exciting. Friday the 6th of October it launches, the Wollongong Golf Club Fast Five, heading towards a November final, and the Meet the Makers five-course degustation outdoor flame and grill experience Thursday the 14th of September, 
6 o'clock hosted in the 1897 Garden Bar. Once again, events at the 19th.com.au. We're going to get to the news, but really appreciate your time this morning, Thanks Nicole. for having me, guys. Always good to have you here. No worries. We're going to be talking Illawarra Rugby Grand Final and the Rugby World Cup after the news. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. I'm Tim Burrow with Matt Campbell here at 8 to 10 every week. Here we're live from Wollongong Golf Club, going around the grounds of the local sport. Illawarra Premier League preliminary final is on tomorrow at Crean Park at 2.30pm. Premier's Albion Park White Eagles take on Coniston. The winner will eat Cringilla in next week's final. Uh, the women's grand final was decided last week where Shell Harbour beat Winuna 2-0 in a thrilling extra time decider. That was the inaugural season of the Illawarra Premier League in the women's competition. Uh, the AFL South Coast grand finals are on today at headquarters at North, North Dalton Park. Fig Tree, uh, the established power defending premiers, taking on the rising northern districts at 5 o'clock. The women are before that. The Wollongong Lions, they've been undefeated all season. They take on the mighty Fig Tree Saints. I used to have a little bit to do with the coaching at the Fig Tree Saints women. So shout out to them. Good luck there, girls, this afternoon. You start at 3.15. And the Illawarra Rugby Grand Final, Collegiate Sports Complex, 3 o'clock this afternoon, Shoalhaven and Avondale. Now joining us is Toby Dawson, our rugby correspondent, you didn't get the grand final you wanted last week. You were talking about Kaima's opportunity to go and not only knock over Avondale, but go on and beat uh, Shoalhaven. Didn't happen. Obviously, uh, adding injury to insult, uh, Paul Asquith suffered that really bad leg injury, which is terrible to see. But as I mentioned earlier, it was fantastic to see him win the league medal. Yeah, player of the year, Paul Asquith. He would have been the game breaker last week. Uh, there was about a 45-minute stoppage in play whilst they dealt with that. Mm. That's how severe the injury was. Yuck. So yeah, awful. massive, um, you know, shout-out to Paul, not just for the uh, year that he's had, but for a speedy recovery from what's pretty horrible. But back to the actual game. I think had that injury not have happened, Kaim were in the battle, could have gotten over Avondale. But unfortunately, when you lose a player like Paul out of your side, you lose that flow from such a long stoppage. Yeah. Avondale just go back to the tried and tested, bash it over and get the spoils. So. Will there be a trick shot in them? I mean, we know what Shalhoven will offer. They've got the star power of the Brandon brothers amongst plenty of others in the in the squad. But, um, you know, can, can Avondale come up with something that might just surprise Shalhoven today? Yeah, look, I think Avondale... Well, Shoalhaven, firstly, Will Miller, Coach of the Year in the uh, in the District Awards this week. Um, and the way he's commanded that team. So we've got absolute firepower, as we know, with the Brandon brothers. Um, but the whole team perform and step up. We know Avondale did try a trick shot in the major semi uh, when they've seen them just a few weeks ago. Came up with, with not much uh, against that. So I think Avondale will come out punching. They have got great um grand final experience they're used to playing in them look at the last 20 years most years they've been there in at least one grade but to be fair i think um if you want to rob a house in shoalhaven today today <laughs> is the day because they will all be at collegians cheering them on because they're in both first and second grade and i think that whole club presence you're going to have a 16th player on the field in both games and 
Shoal is to get the nod. It'll be a nail-biter in seconds, and I think it'll be a pretty easy victory in once. I'll tell you what, that's one thing Rugby Union does well. They just get the bus loads by, you know, the, the truck loads. They come come from everywhere, whether they played at Wynn Stadium in the grand final and now at Collegians. Mate, those, um, the local bottle shops are going to do pretty bloody well at about 5 o'clock tonight as those <laughs> bus loads gear up, up to yeah. head, head back south. Yeah. In, uh, the Postman's Tavern there in Nara, dead set. That The roof will be lifted off when the teams come in, hopefully victorious. Um, it's going to be, yeah... The culture around these sorts of days from the rugby union perspective, that's what it's all about. It's going to be an amazing day on the hill. Um, bit of a shame um, that we're at Collies. I would have loved to have seen it played at a local ground. Um, unfortunately, Wynn Stadium, way too expensive for the Illawarra District to be able to do that. So great uh, foresight of the district to start looking at how they can save money to reinvest into the game. Would have loved them to take it that one step further and play it at a local ground so the tickets uh, through the gate are going back to clubs. But, look, I know that's on the radar. Tom Ellicott, the president's really looking at how we can grow the game, how to move it forward. So, testament to them. But, guys, let's keep it growing into those clubs, into those grassroots, because without the grassroots, we've got nothing. And I guess, you know, if, if Avondale can just get into that contest early, you know, maybe just put some bit of pressure back on Shellhaven uh, uh, along the way. And who knows, with the, you know, the eyes on the prize... It might just get a bit closer than maybe some expect. Yeah, bang on, Baz. If the Avondale boys can starve Shoalhaven of possession, and that's what it's about, it doesn't even need to be the territory per se. If they can just hold that possession, which we know they can do, they wind up from 10 metres behind the ruck and they'll just bash in straight behind it. Yep. If they can get their loose forwards, whoever they can, over the top and just keep protecting that ball, Shoalhaven will get frustrated and that's when we might see them start to act out of character. And there's so much... Energy, whether it's nervousness, whether it's excitement, whether it's aggression going into a grand final, that can sometimes overplay the logic that you've played with all year. And I, I think logical football is exactly the game plan that Shoalhaven have executed so well um, throughout this season. If they can rattle them, you know, get some calls going against the Shoalies boys, not give them the ball, you know, these guys are used to running fast football, moving it around the pitch, going again and keep it. But if Avondale can hold that pill, mm. we're going to see Shoalhaven have to step out of their comfort zone, try something new, and that's when I think it'll be a whole new ball game. So it's definitely not all one and told. Grand finals, anyone can win on the day. My, my odds are on a uh, comfortable victory for Shoalies, but if Avondale can, can bring something new that they haven't yet brought... It's going to be a real contest. Well, you also talked about like um, Avondale's ability to, to with the pack and be able to slow the game down. The wind obviously is going to be a factor in this space. So, yeah, like, is is that their only chance at, get, at getting over the line? The wind, the weather, is that going to help them out? If it, if it becomes a run free flowing game, then obviously Shalhaven will have that advantage in that space. Is that Avondale's really only chance of sneaking this one? Well, I think the wind is going to be a big, you know, we've already got quite a breeze up this morning. That'll only get stronger as the day goes on. That means it's going to be harder to control those passes through the back line. So we can expect more mistakes. If we're getting more mistakes, we've got more scrums. That set-piece play works better to the bigger pack. Now, Shoalhaven are much more technical, so they can withstand the, the pressure of a, of, of a scrummage fest. But the size of the Avondale pack will lend itself to, to those scrums, so you'll expect a real contest there. Um, line outs, so kicking to corners, isn't as much a part of your game plan when you've got high wind because that really puts the pressure on your hooker um, to get it straight down the hay doodle diddle or the middle of the line out. Um, uh, it makes it more of a contest for your jumpers for that ball to land right where your jumpers are. So that means you've got more pressure on potential turnovers at that set piece. So I think 
We'll see less kicking, even though wind could be favourable, but we'll probably see less kicking. We'll see more mistakes. So that logical, clean, structured football Shoalhaven are used to playing, it's already, you know, being pushed a little bit just by virtue of the conditions. Um, and that's really going to play into Avondale's chances again, Matty. Good point. Three o'clock, Legion Sports Complex, uh, Shoalhaven and Avondale. Hopefully it's a cracking grand final out there today. We're going to head to a break. We're going to come back and talk the start of the Rugby World Cup. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Jimmy Nail on the radio these days. <laughs> Bit of an early 90s throwback here on Saturdays. In the gong, Tim Barrow, Matt Campbell. With us is Toby Dawson. We're going to talk a bit of Rugby World Cup. Kicked off this morning. Host France 27 defeated the New Zealand All Blacks 13. Early days, but what can we tell from game one? Uh, <laughs> Baz, this was a really, really interesting game. A lot of build-up into it. France... You've heard me say it over the last few weeks. Planned to win this World Cup four years ago when they did what Eddie Jones has just done. Yeah. They put a new pack together, sent them out and built them. Um, they've come into the comp clear favourites. They had a packed out stadium cheering behind them this morning. Le Marseille's went off uh, and they didn't disappoint. There was a really big arm wrestle in that first half. Um, one All Blacks try within the first two minutes of the game sort of sent a message going... Holy cow, Bunga Batman, the ABs are here to play and this could be a real big disappointment. Um, but discipline from the All Blacks just kept France in there in the first half. So we go into the halftime break. It's nine points to eight. Three penalty goals for the French to an unconverted try and a penalty to the All Blacks. And you go, this could go either way. We come out into the second half and there's just... And I don't think people quite understand it when you're watching rugby league. Teams might have different um, game plans, but with rugby union, you have got a Northern Hemisphere style of football and a Southern Hemisphere style of football. And today, the ABs and the French, best of both, you could just really see it. So we're used to watching, you know, how the, the All Blacks play. It's quick, fast, it's intentional football. You know where it's going, they go again. Sometimes you watch the French and you think, do you guys even care what's going on? Like, it's a bit more lackadaisical, a bit slower, but they're really big on that set-piece play. So they were getting scrum penalties against the All Blacks, which is worrying for them early on, you know. Northern Hemisphere usually playing in wetter, sloppier conditions, so that's why it lends itself to being more um, more practised, you know, more professional at that set-piece. But the end result of that game was massive. It was a 27-13 to 13 victory to the French. Uh, it was two tries to one by the end of it. Uh, Ramos, the fullback for France, mate, he could, he's got a string on it. The way that he can kick it, there was a scrum penalty on the halfway. France have gone, yeah, we'll take the penalty goal. It was about a three-step wind-up. Again, didn't even look like he cared and just straight over the black dot from 50 metres out. So yeah. it, it really sends a message to teams going into this World Cup, you have to be well-disciplined. You give a penalty away, you've given away points. 
and you must win those points at all costs. Now, Australia play Georgia to kick off at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, we're going to get to another break, but just, just quickly, has Eddie pulled this together? Look, I think firstly, let's have a look at Georgia. Georgia are the best second-tier European nation, all right? So they are, you know, they've been looked at as a minnow over the years, and anyone that's not Tier 1 is generally categorised as a minnow. But that is no more. This World Cup is going to be chock-a-block with upsets. Teams like Georgia, who beat Italy earlier this year, they were 6-0 in front of Scotland at Murrayfield, you know, earlier this year. They are going to step up, and their scrum is absolutely amazing. Their forwards work hard. They've got some absolute dynamite in the, uh, in the back line there. I think they're really going to step up. But the Wallabies, I'm going to back it in. It is our most inexperienced side since, I think, the 2003 World Cup campaign where we ended up in the, in the final, um, again, under Eddie's, Eddie's tutelage. So, look, he's put Donaldson at fullback to start his first test, who's only got three tests under his hat, which I think is a really interesting play this early on. But let's have a roll of the dice. Let's back them in. There's confidence in the camp. There's talent on the field. And I think the combinations have evolved and are coming. I think looking at that Northern Hemisphere-style play of the French this morning, which didn't look structured, didn't look organised. That's exactly what Eddie's trying to get the Wallabies to do. He's had all this experience coaching England and knowing how the Northern Hemisphere teams play. Now I'm starting to see it move through. Maybe this is the genius he's bringing to our campaign. Well, he certainly brought something to the campaign so far, but we're <laughs> going to head to another break. We're almost at the finish line on Saturdays in the Gong. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Thanks for joining us this morning on Saturdays in the Gong. Huge shout out to our sponsors, Avcon, specialising in industrial response projects. Uh, water Rescue, key projects, avconprojects.com.au. Thanks to Ryan Burke and the team there. To the Illawarra Mercury, my employer, subscribe at illawarramercury.com.au and to Impact Garage Doors, impactgaragedoors.com.au. I'm off to junior soccer presentation this afternoon. My youngest one gets his first little medal for the for the year. Matty, what's on uh, what's on the agenda for you? Yeah, I'm going to watch a bit of the horse races today, mate. Got mm. some training with the girls for the basketball and, uh, yeah, looking forward to a nice afternoon. I don't think you'll go too far wrong with the Blue Army today. They've got some line-up in just about every uh, key race out mm. there at Rose Hill this afternoon. Also at Kembla. Eight races at Kembla Grange this afternoon, so get down there if you're not heading out to the footy. And don't forget the big semi-finals, Panthers and Warriors at four o'clock, and then the Sharks take on the Roosters. The winner goes through to next week. The loser can go home. Thanks for joining us again. Saturdays in the Gong, live from Wollongong Golf Club every week, 8 to 10 a.m. on SEN Tracular Warra, 1575 a.m.